to the Momentum Matters podcast, where we have courageous conversations with women leaders. We'll hear about their accomplishments, experiences, challenges, and best advice. If you're inspired by women who have overcome the barriers and gone on to do extraordinary things, you're in the right place. My name is Karen Taradis. I'm the founder and CEO of Social U, a digital marketing company specializing in social media management, training, and consulting. Our guest for today's episode is Patty Black, CFP and partner at Bridgeworth Wealth Management. Patty has been providing financial planning and investment advice for over two decades. She's a thought leader in the firm and leads Bridgeworth University in education and mentoring program for newer advisors. Now here's our host, April Benatolo, CEO at Momentum Leaders, a Birmingham-based nonprofit on a mission to advance women in leadership. Good morning, Patty, and welcome to the Momentum Matters podcast. We are super excited to have you here today, and um, thank you for making the time to be with us. April, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'd like to just jump right in, if you don't mind. And since you are probably um, somewhat new to our audience, I'd love to first start out by, we usually like to just go way, way back with people. Yeah. Get a little bit of an idea of um, where you came from, where you grew up, and uh, about little Patty. (laughs) Well, that sounds that sounds good, April. So, so little Patty was actually born on the fourth of July, which is a really fun birthday to celebrate. So, I was born and grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and stayed in Tuscaloosa after high school and actually went to the University of Alabama. So I'm Alabama born and bred. But if anybody's listening to this and is not a Crimson Tide fan, then then don't worry about that because I have twins who were in college and my daughter's at UAB and my son is at Auburn. So now my family has successfully supported all three of the major universities in the state. Congratulations. Awesome. And um, what can you tell me about the way that you grew up in Tuscaloosa? My my um, mother grew up in Tuscaloosa also, so I'm a little bit familiar. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell us about what that was like growing up in, in T-Town for you. Yeah, so it, it was great. Um, I grew up in a very middle class family. My dad was a personnel manager at BF Goodrich, which is the tire plant in Tuscaloosa. My mom was a stay at home mom. She was an excellent cook. Uh, she was a wonderful seamstress. And of course, I didn't appreciate any of that growing up. It wasn't until much later that I looked back and thought, wow, my mom, most every day of my life cooked homemade biscuits for breakfast. And I, you know, what did I want but cereal? And, and then only later on life did I realize how fortunate I was. I'm the youngest of three sisters. So I have two older sisters. One is 10 years older than me and one is seven years older than me. So for most of my life, probably up until I got married, I was introduced as the baby of the family. Hey, the youngest children are the best children. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I'm also the youngest of three. So. Yes. Yes. Um, so Patty, when did you realize, so you went to the University of Alabama, and when did you realize that you wanted to pursue a career in in finance? Yes. So, April, I did not know that right away. I, I started college in the business school, took some classes there, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is the right fit. Maybe I should move to education. And, and way back in the day when I was in college, we actually had a paper catalog of all of the classes and all of the majors. 
And in that, I found an intro to personal finance class. And I thought, you know what? I need to take this just for my benefit. It'll be so helpful to me to learn this. And I took that class and did love it and found out not only could I take that class, I could take a lot more classes in personal finance and then take the knowledge that I was learning and do that job as a career and help people make good financial decisions. And so that's how I got into the industry. And so always when I talk to women who are in finance, um, the question comes up. A lot of those classes, I'm sure, were uh, very heavily skewed towards the male demographic. And the industry is, as a whole, um, very much skewed towards a male demographic for financial advisors and financial planners. And so how did you, how did that land with you and how did you navigate through that? Yeah. So, you know, I guess, April, I feel incredibly fortunate. So the financial planning program at the University of Alabama is in the College of Human Environmental Sciences, which back in the day was known as the Home Ec College. So I had a fair number of women in these classes. Mm-hmm. So the degree that I have is a degree in consumer sciences with a concentration in family financial planning. So, you know, we had women in those classes. I was not the only female. And then in the workforce, now I work with Bridgeworth, where we have a number of female advisors. You know, I I feel like maybe my career has been more of the exception that I've been around so many women, whether in the classroom or in the workplace. Um, So, yes, I've been to conferences where it is primarily male dominated. But in my day to day experience, I'm just fortunate to work with a lot of a lot of women. Yeah, that is true that Bridgeworth um, as a firm has statistically a much higher rate, a higher ratio of, of women to men than most. Yes. Yeah. Dylan's done a great job. <laughs> she has. She has. She's been a wonderful role model. Yes. Well, speaking of role models, I mean, growing up, who would you say were some of the role models for you? Yeah. So, April, I don't know if you or anybody listening can relate to the saying, actions speak louder than words. So that that was true in my family. My mom and dad never sat me and my sisters down to say, you know, this is how much money we're saving for college or this is how much money we're saving for retirement. But they gave us good financial examples. Now, candidly, I did not always like their financial decision making. You know, when it, when it was time for me to get a car, I did not get a new car. I got an old car. And I don't know if you can see this, but I got a 1970-something Toyota Corona hatchback that looked a lot like this one, except mine was beige. So it was even more boring. And I did not like that. I was so jealous of my friend Shannon, who when she uh, got a car, got a brand new crimson red Toyota. And I was so jealous of that. You know, I wanted a new car. But then a couple of years after getting the car, when it was time to go to college, we found out that Shannon's family didn't have money set aside to pay for college. So she had this really nice new car, but there wasn't money to pay for college. And so that did give me a greater appreciation. You know, I I would have loved to have had a nicer car, but what I got instead was money for college so that I was able to graduate without any debt. You know, and I I wonder if any of the, the women listening today, they may be thinking about educating their own kids. They may be thinking about, you know, helping a niece or a nephew who wants to go to college and thinking, you know, how how do I do that? How do I help? Because spoiler alert, the price of college has only gotten more expensive since I was there a couple of decades ago. 
So now just to go to a state school like the University of Alabama or Auburn or UAB is about $25,000 a year for tuition and fees and room and board. So that's $100,000 at the end of four years. And that's not even taking into account, you know, if a mom is out there listening and she's got a child who's already talking about med school or law school, you know, those dollars just keep adding up. They do. I am also aware with the son that is a sophomore at Auburn. Yep. And looking at a daughter who's going to school in the fall. So, yes, yep. these are harsh new realities. Um, so what what advice do you give to to women who are listening who are completely overwhelmed by that number I mean that's that's you know halfway to a good house yeah it is it is halfway to a good house April and my the encouragement I give is that it's never too late you know I I was fortunate in my family to have parents who were good financial role models not everybody had that example And, and and frankly sometimes even when somebody's had a good financial role model they may take a different path so my encouragement is it's not too late you know maybe you haven't already saved the money that you needed to for college, but you can get on the path today. It's not too late. You can get on the path to a better financial future for you and for your family. Then from a really practical standpoint, there's a book that I think is a wonderful resource. It's by Ron Lieber, who is a columnist with the New York Times, and he wrote a book called The Price You Pay for College. And I found it so Um, thought-provoking. It's not just the the ins and outs of, you know, actually writing the check and, but it, it's asking deeper questions about, you know, what's a college education worth and how do you evaluate, you know, the, the type, whether it's a private school or a public school, how do you go about making those decisions? So that's a wonderful resource um, that, you know, a mom who's worried about education might read and then might have some really good conversations with her, her child about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so when you when you say it's never too late, what are some of the um, financial tools that you recommend to um, parents who are are planning for that? Yeah, so you know, I really encourage people to have the, the the conversations with their kids to talk about you know what does it cost so that the child is going into this decision. It's a big decision, and it's one that I don't think eighteen year olds need to make on their own. Um, as a mom of twins, I am regularly reminded their brains are still not fully developed. Uh, you know, we hear the brain doesn't get fully developed until 25. So so teenagers don't need to be making a decision that costs $100,000 or more on their own. So having those candid conversations about the cost, what the family resources are, you know, to put toward that education. And then from a very practical standpoint, I'm a big fan of college Savings accounts like 529 plans as a way to save money for college. But but it's, you know, taking the action to save and get money in that account and then just also having those conversations, not just letting your actions speak as, as happened in, in my parents, with my parents as I was growing up, but really having the conversations to talk about, you know, what the resources are and what's what's important. How do you value an education? Yeah. Well, Patty, speaking of education, I know that you have taken a leadership role there at Bridgeworth in terms of mentoring and um, forming this training program for new advisors called Bridgeworth University. And I was wondering if you would tell us how that came to fruition and and how you decided to take on that as what I'm I'm guessing is, is extra work. 
Yeah. So so again, much credit to Delyn Zell, our CEO at Bridgeworth. So this was her vision. And so I'm helping to implement that vision, you know, and, and what we realized was that as students are coming out of of colleges with degrees in financial planning or degrees in, in finance. They know a lot of technical skills, but what they may be missing is some of the professional skills. Um, they may be missing, you know, some of the time management or some of the listening skills that are needed. Um, you know, they may not, um, you know, they may need some guidance on how to interact with other professional advisors, how to interact with a client. So, you know, we're teaching them some technical skills because they're, you know, in our world of personal finance, the rules change, the economy changes. There's always more that we are learning and we're, we're teaching those technical skills and then also some of the softer professional skills as well. Excellent. Excellent. And how long has that program been going on? Hi, April, don't quote me on this. I would like three plus years, maybe three to four years. Awesome. And yes, and you've had good feedback with your. Yes. You know, it, it's been a good group that we're working with, you know, so they not only are learning together, but they are deepening their bond together as co-workers. So, you know, just getting for that younger group of professionals, enjoying their time together and getting to know one another uh, more deeply, which is, you know, helps improve the workplace as well. Right, right. And do you have a formal sort of pairing of, of mentor to mentee or does that happen just organically within the firm? No, we, there's no formal pairing. Um, so it is more of a, you know, the just a one-on-one -on -one connection where perhaps the younger advisor is taking the initiative to say, hey, would you mentor me? Would you work with me? Or perhaps it's the, the more experienced advisor looking and saying, oh, I see a lot of myself in, in, in this new employee and I want to partner with her or with him. And Patty, what would you say to, to a uh, young woman who may be thinking about a career in financial planning um, and is maybe a little bit on the fence about what that might mean? Yeah, so I would wholeheartedly encourage uh, encourage her to investigate it. I, I think it's a wonderful career. You know, if you have got, if you like working with numbers and you like working with people, it's a wonderful combination of, of both of those skills. And it also provides a fair amount of flexibility so that, you know, you can uh, have that 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 balance um, with, between working and raising a family. So I wholeheartedly encourage it, you know, and just would uh, tell that young woman, you know, go out, talk to some financial advisors, see what their day-to-day -day experience is like, um, see if it's something that you would enjoy doing. Maybe, maybe that you even ask if you could come in and shadow someone for a day and, and really get your feet wet on what that, that job looks like. You know, thinking about the, the future of, of careers, I'm wondering um, if there's much conversation in the financial planning world about what is the value of that financial planner in the face of what may be coming down the road in terms of artificial intelligence and yeah. information that the consumer can just get on the Internet. And I'm wondering what's your, your professional take on that? Yeah, so that is, that's been a conversation that's been going on for years now in our industry and, and we'll keep going on as technology does continue to improve. Uh, you know, but Rachel, what I would say is there's nothing 
you know, yes, there's wonderful tools and resources online that can tell you how much you need to save and can tell you how to invest your money. But that's not the same as having a personal relationship with someone who knows you, knows your family, knows what your goals are, you know, really what's what's the why behind your financial decision making. And all the artificial intelligence in the world may not help you when the market is crashing, as it did in March of 2020. You know, it's not going to be there to reassure you that we're going to make it make it through together. Stay the course. You know, we're, we're, we're in this with you. Um, you don't have that personal one on one relationship with artificial intelligence that you do with uh, a real life financial planner. Sure. And how, how much of your interaction with your clients revolves around um, education? Because I think a lot of this is a generalization, but a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't see themselves as the financial planner yeah. in the family or the the person that should be responsible for the finances. They see that maybe as their husband's role or their partner's yeah. role. And so, my question is, you know, wh- how do you how do you bring that kind of woman along to where yeah. she feels comfortable and confident in making financial decisions for herself and for her family? Yes, that's a great point, April. So I would say in most every family, there's one person who's the chief financial officer for the family. You know, maybe it's dad, maybe it's mom, but but there's usually just one person. So, you know, if the, the woman who's listening to this today is not that chief financial officer for her family, her voice is still important and she needs to understand maybe she she doesn't want to go into all of the technical details. That's fine. You know, but she needs to find someone who is willing to educate her about decisions that she's making um, so that she can understand, you know, how to make those decisions. I think about a conversation that I had yesterday or actually a meeting I had yesterday with a woman and a long-term care insurance agent. So this client, we're reviewing long-term care insurance. And, and the, the focus of the meeting yesterday was just educating her on what long-term care insurance does and why it's important. And then, you know, what are the costs and what are the benefits associated with those policies? You know, so it, there's quite a learning curve to some of the some of the financial world. So, you know, I, I want women to have a partner that they trust, you know, and feel like is looking out for their own best interests that can educate them so they can make the best decisions for their family. Because as we all know, there are no guarantees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything can happen. Illness can mm-hmm. happen. Accidents can yeah. happen. And, you know, I think about that with my, with my own family. Do they know where all of the things are? Yeah. Do they know where all of the accounts are? Yep. Who to get in touch with if something were were to happen to me? Yep. Um, so yeah, these are conversations that, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that because of the pandemic and because of COVID, I, I would like to think that a lot of families are having those conversations a little bit more often than they would have otherwise. Yeah, I don't know the statistics on it. I I certainly have that same hope that these conversations are happening more than they were before. Yeah, I I tell people I'm a fan of having uncomfortable conversations, not not because anyone wants to be in an uncomfortable conversation. But, you know, if you have uncomfortable conversations with your family to say, you know, here's where my documents are. You know, here's if something happens to me, here's who you need to call. 
having those uncomfortable conversations are going to save a lot of, of anxiety down the road. That's right. And so thinking about this and, and, and I know that um, you and I share that we have uh, are part of that sandwich generation yeah. where we take care of, of children and also of um, paying attention to your aging parents and, and preparing for that future. Yeah. And uh, in fact, that is the topic that you're going to speak about at the yeah. Momentum Conference in March. So I was wondering, without um, giving away the details of your session, if you would um, sort of elaborate on that and, and, and what that's been like for you and, uh, and what kind of services you all provide around that for, for women that are in that situation. Yes, April, I'm, I'm so passionate passionate about talking about, you know, how do you, how do we as, as women reduce the stress of caring for aging parents? And I'm passionate about it because I've, I've seen this with my clients over the past 20 plus years, and I've also experienced it personally. So I helped care for my mom before she died in 2018, and I helped care for my dad before he died last year. And it was hard. You know, even with all that I knew as a financial planner, it, it was hard to be in that sandwich generation. So, you know, my kids were 12 to 18 um, while I was caring for my parents. And and it was, you know, I, I'm sure other women listening that, to this can relate and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in that same spot too, raising kids, working, caring for aging parents. And, you know, I'm so glad there are resources like Momentum that can come around these women and provide uh, information, you know, provide tools that can help. So what I've got for our presentation is just some steps that you can take right now if you're worried about your aging parents. And, and what I would encourage the women listening today is, you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe your parents are, are still doing all right. Maybe you're maybe you're seeing some glimpses of, hmm, you know, is that mom's memory? Is that just a bad day? What's going on? But I, I want to encourage the women listening to come to this presentation. You know, be proactive, even if you're not in this situation right now with caring for aging parents. Be proactive. Come and learn the steps that you can take so that, you know, when the time comes, you know, you'll be ready. Because any one of us could get a phone call, you know, later today that, you know, a mom has had a stroke or a dad has fallen and broken a hip. So you want to be prepared for those times of crisis. You, you don't want to be reacting in that time of crisis. So, you know, maybe you're there, maybe you're not. But, you know, I think back to, to driving this 1970-something Toyota Corona and think, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, you know, that I'm driving in this car and I'm listening to Jukebox Hero by Foreigner and, and just having a blast. Uh, but the reality is that that's been a hot minute. You know, I, we're getting older. Our parents are getting older. So come and be proactive. Learn some steps that you can take to reduce that stress of caring for aging parents. Well, I certainly encourage that as well. Um, a personal story, my mother and I, were in a car accident in January of 2020 oh. and um, Sunday afternoon, two lane road, no fault of, of yeah. mine. Um, some, somebody hit a car in an oncoming lane oh. and then the car jumped in front of our car. Wow. So um, it, it, it was a very sobering moment for me and for her. Um, thank goodness. Neither one of us was too seriously injured and right. uh, we were able to come through the other side. But it was it was a wake up call that, um, you know, 
ill or not, uh, yeah. any moment something yeah. can happen and we all need to be prepared. And and I think from that time forward was really the time that, that my mom sat down and, and really started methodically planning with my sister and my brother and I. Yeah. What what things were going to need to look like, and um, so I, I I agree with you. There's there's no time is too early really to have those yeah. conversations and letting your own family know, and then you know discussing that with the parents so that everyone's on the same page. Is yes, important. that that is so true. And April, you were you were very blessed that you have a mom who's willing to initiate those conversations. Absolutely, not not everybody does. They are uncomfortable, as you were saying earlier, you know, because nobody wants to be thinking about their own, yeah. their yeah. own business. But uh, it, the, the angst of walking around guessing and not knowing is worse. And I think the reality of if something were to happen, um, truly the, the, the sort of you already would be in a state of grief. And then having yeah. to deal with a lot of unknowns is just it's kind of. It's uh, it's unfair. Yeah, it, it is. You, you you want when you're grieving or when you're in crisis mode, you are not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. So so the more information you can gather, the more that you can have conversations with your parents about what they want to happen, so that you hear that from them when everything is going well and there's not a medical emergency, the better equipped you are to make decisions when the time comes. Because it is really difficult to parent your parent. And so the more guidance you can get from them before that time, the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Patty, do you have some um, parting words of advice for uh, women that may be listening and thinking about, hmm, I've been meaning to do this. Or I've been meaning yeah. to do that with my, um, my financial responsibilities. How do how do you inspire them just to take that next step and yes. started? You know, April, I, there's a saying that I love: um, "Don't let perfect be the enemy of good." So yes, yes, we've all got you know that vision of okay, I should be maxing out my 401k, or I should be you know saving more for college, or whatever it may be. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You probably are not going to get like if, you know, if you're saving, you know, a small amount for for college for your child right now, you may not be able to get to full funding level overnight, but you can increase it some. You could increase your retirement savings by one or two percent right now and then revisit that later in the year and bump it up another one or two percent. So you get to the point over time where you are maximizing those savings. You know, same with having conversations with aging parents. It is not a one time conversation. You are not going to get all of the information that you need in one sitting. Um, but, But starting the conversation, you know, starting it somewhere, you know, being willing to ask um, you know, ha- have the conversations with your parents about what they want, what's important to them. So taking that one next step and not letting perfect be the enemy of, of good is my advice. That's right. And do you all have some online resources at, at Bridgeworth that people can access? 
We certainly do. So if you go, if you if you Google Bridgeworth, you'll see one of the, the things that'll come up is our insights tab, which is our blog. And it is filled regularly with new information, new content. So whether you want to know what's going on in the investment market and you know what's happening with the stock market, or whether you want to understand, you know, some tips on caring for aging parents or educating your children, that insights tab on the Bridgeworth website is a great resource for you. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, we are certainly looking forward to your session at the conference and to continuing our relationship with you and with Bridgeworth. I personally think you all are providing a fantastic service to our community and um, particularly uh, to women and helping them get solid with their financial future. So we appreciate you. Well, awesome. Thank you, April. Glad to be on the podcast with you today. Thank you.